Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos. Welcome back to Socialist Podcast on Tuesday, everyone. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters, and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present, and emerging. Thanks for joining us on Socialist Podcast, where you'll find out what's coming up in the world of socialists. Socialists, it's a sewing blog for everyone. Today, Brianna of the Socialist team is our guest as we focus on socialists as well as accessibility. So let's welcome Brianna. Hi, Brianna. Hi. Thank you for being on the podcast. And it's really lovely to meet another Socialist team member. Yeah, really cool. Online, how do we find you? On Instagram, I am at Brie Michelle Maid, and I have a blog called A Stitch Across the Sea. And when did you start your blog? I think August of 2018. Okay. Do you put your sewing on there? I'm actually going to change it also to Brie Michelle Maid because I was, I had this whole idea that I would put more stuff about living abroad on there. I'm going to change it to all be sewing. It was originally more about my, my embarking, my integration into Dutch society, but I ended up just not really wanting to write about that. And it all became sewing. How long have you been on the socialist team now? I just started in January, so I'm really new. And we've done quite a bit so far on the socialist, especially with the February theme month that's just passed. Yeah, it was really fun. So my role was to coordinate with the guest authors to get all of their information and help them through the brainstorming process a little bit and then just kind of refining things before we sent it into copy editing. I was a little intimidated at first, but it ended up being really fun and a really interesting way to get to know people. There's such a variety of guests, authors, and ideas that flow within the team. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. It was really great that you could step in. It didn't cross my mind even, and then I was so excited when you asked me. <laughs> Shortly this month, we're going to start focusing on accessibility, and that's something that influences your sewing Yes, definitely. Um, It's something that I have recently gotten really passionate about. So I've been sewing for almost five years. That also coincides with my timeline, kind of realizing that I'm disabled. What physiological conditions influence or impact your sewing? So I have fibromyalgia and ADHD. To give a little overview on those and how they affect me, Fibromyalgia is a nerve disorder, so my brain can't always tell between painful and non-painful signals. It's not due to trauma for everyone, but for me, it certainly is. So due to trauma, my nerves are basically, they're hypervigilant. They're on high alert. They really want to protect my body, and that means that they misinterpret a lot of things, and I enter into severe pain cycles because of that. And secondly, I have ADHD, which is a type of neurodivergence. So it's often associated with being inattentive or hyperactive, hyper-focused, which are not untrue, but it also means that I'm very creative, 
I'm a really good problem solver. I'm a very out of the box thinker. It really is just a different type of wiring in the brain. For some people, maybe don't affect their life all that much. And for a while, I kind of pretended that they didn't affect mine either. But I am realizing more and more now and kind of accepting more that my daily life is really, really impacted and my sewing is really impacted um, by these conditions. So I have both fibromyalgia and ADHD. So I am physically affected by one and mentally affected by the other. How are you managing through those conditions and keep sewing? It's almost like I have to. I have always been really creative. I was very into art as a kid. As a teenager, I was always singing and painting. In college, I ended up majoring in music and theater. So I've always had this big creative drive, which I largely attribute to having ADHD and being wired differently, having that neurodivergence. It really pushes me into that. So when it became clear that my life really was not going to be what I thought it was going to be, that I did really need to make some changes was around the time that I was sewing. And I think that sewing maybe saved me and it gave me, because it is kind of an individual hobby. Yes, there's the sewing community around it. Yeah. It is a creative hobby or practice. I, I guess I don't think of it as a hobby. I think of it as a practice that I can really pour myself into that I'm not reliant on others. Mostly there is a degree to which I am. And others aren't necessarily relying on me. Um, of course, my position at the socialist is a little bit different, but sewing itself really gave me that outlet when it became clear that music and theater were not going to be viable options, at least at that time. It's good that you describe sewing as a practice rather than a hobby. It's a nicer way, a more respectful way of describing the level of skill that you're attaining while you're sewing a really good way of describing your sewing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, there is also a bit of like a maybe spiritual element. (laughs) I know that sounds a bit like far-fetched, but like a practice in that my sewing at least is very, very connected to creating physical pieces that are reflections of myself and dressing myself in different ways to be perceived. So it it is very, very meaningful for me. And so that is also part of why I call it a practice. So what type of sewing are you currently involved in? I do mostly garment sewing. I do sew a little bit for my daughter and a little bit for my husband, but mostly my sewing is garment sewing for me and really creating a curated closet And so I definitely think of sewing each garment as a piece of art, a thing that I have made, but also my whole closet as a work. It's another good way of describing it. I'm just finding your descriptions of what sewing is all about. It's a good reflection of what it is that you're doing. It's hard sometimes 
explaining it to people. Some people think that I just take clothes way too seriously. (laughs) And I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it like, I understand it can come off as a little pretentious, but it really is that meaningful to me, especially as I'm coming up against how disabled people are treated and wanting to be present and to be seen and to participate in a world that doesn't always want disabled people to participate. My clothing is tied to my presence. And it's really, like you said, it's not a flippant thing. It's, it is really meaningful. What are you doing to make sewing more accessible for you? What are the things that you have had to adjust or change for yourself? If I had my way, I would probably be sewing all day, all night (laughs) Um, and just like building and building and building. But that's not the reality. (laughs) That's the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. But I have, we all have parameters that we need to honor and mine for my body even more so. So I'm currently experimenting with using timers. I know that's something that is other people have talked about disabled or not disabled as being really helpful. For me, I had to make the mental switch of like, okay, I'll set a timer for 20 minutes. At the end of 20 minutes, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to stop, but rather I'm going to have a really honest check-in with myself to see what I need. Because yes, the like, like, love of sewing. You can totally lose yourself in that. I also have the component of ADHD where I can get really focused and really stuck into something. And I have a big fear around coming up for air that I might not be able to get back into that project. So using a timer for me is helping me combat that fear and get out of that habit of just burying tunnel vision into a project. But yeah, it might not mean that I, I totally stop or wrap up for the day. It might just mean that I stretch my legs for a minute, that I go get a glass of water, that I think, did, have I eaten today? Because that's a, that's a thing that I struggle with is like <laughs> doing regular <laughs> self-care tasks yeah, in a normal fashion. The timer gives me that opportunity without being rigid, saying that I have to stop or I have to complete a task in 20 minutes. And if I don't finish it, then I failed. Mm-hmm. It's not like that, but just a good check-in. And that has really challenged me in a good way. So that's, that's the biggest one that I'm working with right now. And then there's also just some smaller things that I try to set myself up with. For example, I just won't sew patterns that don't have. <laughs> bus cup options. I've determined for having a finite amount of time and energy against the vastness of my sewing plans. (laughs) I need to limit what I spend my time doing. And there are so many wonderful patterns out there that have that option that it's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort to make that simple adjustment. Other adjustments, yes. But yeah, that is one that I will just pick and I have other, yeah, like little, little things like that, that I sort through to be like, nope, that's not worth my time or it's not worth my time today. Maybe another time when I am better rested or 
have a bit more support in some other area that I can give to it. So yeah, I really filter down what, what I want to be making. Brianna, are there any other changes or things that you've done to make sewing more accessible for you? Yeah. So like I said, there's a lot of little things that can kind of get to me. And one of them that seems so small, but has made a really big difference. And again, this is very unique to me and my condition. I have a magnetic pincushion that I've wrapped in fabric because I realized I was getting so irritable when I was pinning. And it was because as I would pick the pins up and put them back down, they would make this sound that just like made my brain feel like it was reverberating. And it was like hurting my brain, (laughs) not just like a headache, but like it hurt. The sound was hurting me. And it took me a really long time to actually accept that. I just thought I was being weird, thought I was being oversensitive. And again, it's a really little thing to talk about and to bring up on a podcast. But I think it's important to talk about accepting our needs across the board, of course, but especially in terms of disability and accessibility. Because yeah, it seems so minor, but I would just talk myself out of making any changes because I thought that I was just being silly, thought that I needed to get over it. And it took me five minutes and a piece of double-sided tape to fix my own problem. (laughs) Good on you. Yeah. And all it took was really me realizing that I don't have to shove myself into a box that other people say is normal, that I should say is normal and just like meet my own needs. And so I wrapped my pincushion in fabric and now I have no problems pinning. (laughs) Well done. You know, you're right. It was just a small thing, but it's made a big difference to you. Yeah. And it makes me think about how disabled people, also women, and pretty much anyone who is experiences any marginalization has so much pressure to not have needs and to function as seamlessly and as quietly as possible. And we don't have to do that, especially when when the fix is right at actually at our fingertips. Yeah, it just makes me think of all the times where I've not done that and have told myself to just get over it, to move on, to be fine. There is power that we have and we should be using it. And the other thing that I think you've mentioned about swatch services. Yeah, that's something that I use a lot. Again, because of my heightened sensory input, the way things feel is really, really important. So things that are scratchy or even when it's a natural fiber, I still like rub it on my arm to check if it's going to generate any static because I will be so distracted all day, no matter what I'm trying to do, if my skirt or top is trying to stick to me. (laughs) So I just want to eliminate that from my life. So swatch services really help to see what I'm dealing with because, well, at least in my part of the world at the moment, (laughs) there is no popping into the shop to feel fabric. Everything is online right now. So yeah, I think those are really important for me to get to feel and touch the fabrics and make sure they're going to work for me. My question then, following on from what you've said about the feel of fabrics, what type of linings do you choose for skirts and jackets when you make them? I try to do viscose where I can if it is slippery enough. If I do go for like an acetate, 
I have to feel it first. Being natural, it is supposed to not generate any electricity, but I find that some of them still do. So yeah, I have to feel it. I have to test it out. What do you look for with pattern construction when you're choosing a pattern? There have definitely been times where I've wanted to buy a pattern and have thought, I wonder how they're going to do this, the instructions. I totally understand why, why they can't give you a preview of that every time. But I am like always a bit leery with trying a new company to see how they're going to do the instructions. So for example, I love chalk and notch. On most of their instructions, they have a tutorial set up in their, in their regular instructions. So they have the text, they have the photos. And then at the end, they also have a set of instructions that is just written out. And I really appreciate that because I can go through, depending on the way my brain is focusing at a particular time, the pictures might be really informative or they might be really distracting. So I can pick and choose how I absorb that information. Okay. And so then it's even better when they have, and Chalk and Notch almost always does a full photo sew along and sometimes even video with techniques that yeah, I find really, really helpful. It also makes it easier when I do need to, again, for variations in focus, energy, pain level, time. Whenever I need to switch construction order around, having multiple ways of presenting the instructions gives me a lot more freedom to be able to do that. What is it that doesn't work for you when it comes to cutting projects? So my current setup for cutting projects is really difficult with my pain levels. Yeah, so currently I am cutting on my dining table. Cutting on the floor is straight up not an option for my back. That it would just be really, really awful. But even just the bending over to the dining table is really difficult. And I have to, I really need to be disciplined when I do that to take a lot of breaks, to do a lot of stretching, make sure that I'm drinking water. And even so, I usually need to plan to not do any sewing the day after because of the pain usually in my back and my shoulders, sometimes in my hands from the actual cutting out. It is really hard on me, even when I am disciplined to take breaks and to try not to cut too many projects at once. It is still usually something that it costs me energy for the next day. And the pain that incurs it will usually last over the next day or two days. So in theory, I could try to immediately sew and just get it all done the way that I would want to. But the more I push, the longer that payback period is going to be, which doesn't just affect my sewing, that affects every area of my life. And it's not a price I can always pay. So no. trying to take it slow and do what I can, but it is it's definitely a hindrance to getting started on things. Someday I hope to have one of those self-rising tables. That's the dream, but it's not happening yet. <laughs> what are some of the things that sewing businesses can do to help you get more out of the sewing projects that you do with the limited energy that you've got? I think I already mentioned the bus cups. That to me, that is, it just, it makes my life so much easier And I feel 
simple adjustments like that being already included in the pattern, the pattern already being blocked and graded for a variety of sizes is really important. I just don't think it's acceptable for any disabled person to be spending their time and energy either grading a pattern or doing a bust adjustment. I just, it's not acceptable to me. (laughs) Yeah, that one is really important um, on sizes. Also just little things in patterns about marking the bust point, marking the waistline. Those might seem like little things, but when your time and energy are so constrained to not have to find that on a pattern to make your adjustment, it just saves so much valuable time and energy. So I really love that instructions that are presented in multiple ways with clear photos and or videos that go alongside it. Those make a huge, huge difference for me. Um, Again, patterns that have clearly differentiated size lines. When I'm cutting or tracing a pattern, that can make a difference between it being an easy, fun task and a actually headache-inducing, frustrating task. Because when all those lines just like kind of converge, that's really hard on my brain. What aspects of sewing brings you joy? I really love the the creative process, which for me is mostly in the planning and less in the doing. I really love thinking about my closet as a whole and creating a whole wardrobe that is really reflective of me and how I want to show up in the world. So that is what I really gravitate toward. The actual sewing for me is kind of just a means to an end. I know For lots of folks, it is relaxing. For me, it is not. Though I recognize that it is important for me to do something with my hands, with my body, to go from the idea in my head to having and wearing the physical garment. That journey is what really brings me joy. What I make, it just, it makes such a difference when I'm having a bad day, when my pain levels are through the roof, or when I'm having a day where I just like can't focus on anything to go into my closet, put on something that I have made that has gone from a blip of an idea in my head to fabric purchased to a pattern match to working with my hands, putting that whole journey on. It is such a boost. I have this like surge of confidence that doesn't take away how crappy I might be feeling. Yeah. But it almost like comes up alongside me, like past me is there to say like, hey, I'm here with you. We can do this. And that is what I love so much about being able to create clothing in this way. And sewing allows me to do that. Then what aspects don't? Explicitly, I don't feel like the actual sewing brings me a lot of joy. I often find myself dreading feeding things through my machine, marking on my fabric. Those things are like maybe boring to me. And I know that sounds horrible to say, but I'm so driven by the idea of getting the thing made that they just seem like hurdles to get over. It doesn't feel like they bring me joy. But I also know that when I don't actually do the process of sewing, 
that I feel that also in my body and I feel it in my hands that like I haven't done the thing. So that is, that is still really important. But yeah, my least, my actual least favorite part of the sewing is definitely the cutting out. And it is absolutely related to my condition Yeah, and how much like, yes, in the pain that I experience, but also in the frustration of having to plan around something that I know a typical person does not have to plan around in the way that I do. So there is a lot of frustration around that, that is its own extra meta hurdle in a way, I guess. Does your condition influence what you make? Absolutely. On a choice and design level, I've learned that it is healthier for me to choose quicker projects. When I first started sewing and getting into the online sewing community, it seemed like I had to reach all these benchmarks of coat making, jeans making, couture techniques. And I tried to force myself into that. And I found that it was really not very fun for me, at least at this time. What I really need is the satisfaction of completing that arc from idea to finished garment. So I need to keep it simple. I need to take on easier projects. Not that I need to be a factory and just churn things out all the time. Definitely not. But I find that if I spend too long on a project, I can definitely lose interest and it becomes harder and harder to pick it back up and harder and harder to return to that. So I try to keep it simple and to give myself that boost of completing a thing. Physically, I also need to make some adjustments. And one thing I've realized is I really dislike back zips. And it's another thing like the pin cushion where for years I just tried to shove it away and pretend like it didn't bother me because why would you be bothered by the way that the zip feels on your skin or even on your back? Like even with a slip, it would still bug me. So I just assumed there was something wrong with me and that I just needed to get over it. And finally this year, I was like, no, I don't. No one's forcing me to wear dresses that have zips in them. Nobody. Yeah. I either move it to the side, but my favorite is button fronts. I love a button front dress. I love the aesthetic. I think they're more comfortable. So I put, or a wrap dress. That is what I will go with pretty much any time. I also often add ease across the back and the ribs when I enter into a bad cycle, one of the things that gets triggered sometimes is I will feel a tightness across my back. And that can sometimes be triggered by like, if a fabric is too tight, or even if I feel the weight, it doesn't even have to be tight. If I feel the weight of the fabric on my back in a certain way, sometimes that can trigger me feeling like I can't breathe. So I've started adding just doing a broad back adjustment, even for things that aren't tight, just to give it a little bit of extra wiggle room so I don't enter into that process as easily. When you post your makes on Instagram, do you do seated photos as well? I am wanting to start. I haven't in the past. I often take my photos outside. And so it's something that I didn't really 
think about, but I've been absolutely challenged that that is vital and necessary for others in the community. So I'm looking at purchasing a really inexpensive collapsible stool to take with me because I do still want to take photos outside. That is almost a, it's really like a separate hobby, photographing and blogging, which I do really enjoy. There has to be a way to change and be more inclusive in that regard. And I'm really disappointed that I haven't made that change sooner, but you will be seeing that from me from now on. I've I've only just discovered that as well. So that's what I'll be building into the photos that I take as well. Yeah. I think to get a little bit vulnerable here, I think I have resisted it for a long time, feeling like it's not flattering which is a word that I hate and I have expelled from my vocabulary, but clearly still has a bit of a hold on me. It's unacceptable for that to continue to live in my brain. So you'll absolutely be seeing it from me from now on. Do you want to leave our listeners with one last message? So as socialists this month through March and April are highlighting So it's with different ways of thinking, with different physical conditions. I would really encourage folks to look at their world and think about the things that they don't have to think about, that disabled and neurodivergent people are coming up against every day. And really consider if there are things that, you know, is it just the way that it's always been? And can we change it? Are there ways we can be making people's lives easier, better, more fulfilling? And like I talked about, a lot of these accommodations that I've made have been really simple. Again, I will say that both my conditions are fairly flexible, and that's not the case for everyone. But for non-disabled folks to think about, are there little changes that you can make to make someone else's life a bit easier, or to simply just appreciate that you don't have to think about things in a certain way. And yeah, try to extend that privilege. So is there a hashtag or two we should be looking at just to get some ideas? Absolutely. Sam from Purple Sewing Cloud has started Sewing Disabled, but also there is Chronically Sewn. So that one focuses more on folks with chronic illness and what they are up to sewing-wise. So that's hashtag Chronically Sewn, started by Andy from So Pretty in Pink. And those two are great places to start. In a future Socialist podcast, we are going to have Samantha of Purple Sewing Cloud on for Socialist. So I'm hoping that listeners will come back and enjoy what she's got to say and learn from that too. Yeah, I've learned so much from her. She's so wonderful. Thanks again for coming on to the Socialist podcast, Brianna. Thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organised Style Podcast for Socialists was produced for the Socialist team by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Brianna. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and from all good podcast apps. Post any questions or suggestions you have on the Socialist Instagram account, or on the Socialist website. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.